Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. been there. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! He's been everywhere. Shot from there and a save and a rebound. Score! Yes! Kings win the cup! Sobel. That's one small step for man. Ted Sobel. One giant leap for man. The man, the myth, the legend. What the hell's going on out here? Now, one-on-one with Ted Sobel. Hi, friends. Whether you're heading to the ball yard or your backyard, start your day tomorrow with Ted Sobel. Well, thank you, Vin Scully, and we certainly lost one of the greats when Jack Whitaker passed away at the age of 95. And, of course, I don't have to tell you about all the accolades of Jack's amazing career. He went into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame back in 2012, 22 years as a sports announcer for CBS Sports, and he covered the Super Bowl one, the Secretariat's 1973 Triple Crown win. We'll talk a little bit about that today. And, of course, all the golf over the years, and he told me forever how much he loved doing the major tournaments. And he later moved on to work for ABC to cover their 1984 and 88 Olympic Games and just an unbelievable career for Jack. And he became a friend. He was an early mentor of mine. And I had a wonderful opportunity to call Jack the day after his 95th birthday. That's May 19th, 2019. It was also the day after the Preakness. And as much as a Jack loves horse racing, we went over what happened in the Derby this year. But again, age 95. I just thought it'd be really special to bring back our conversation. He wanted to do a brief podcast with me, so we recorded it, and it's here as a special remembrance just for you. And I do apologize for some of the lack of quality from his cell phone connection of that day, so please bear with us through a few of those glitches. Jack Whitaker, first of all, appreciate you coming on here with Touching Greatness, um, my podcast, and uh, this is the ultimate in Touching Greatness. You know how much I totally respect your work over the years, and it's always great to hear your voice, and happy birthday, sir, number 95. Yes, finally a man is now alive. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Well, you still sound great, and uh, I wish you could come out to the West Coast because we could see you out here, but uh, what's it like back in Pennsylvania area where they all love you forever out there? Well, it's, the weather's been pretty nice here the last couple of days. Good. Because we haven't had any of those terrible tornadoes or anything. Right. So it's about 80 degrees, about whether you get summertime. I assume you've been watching the... Uh, the Triple Crown race is the first two, and I want to get your thoughts on what you've seen thus far. Well, I didn't see the Preakness yesterday because I was traveling. Okay. But I was so disappointed in the Derby. It's just awful. Do you feel that uh, because of what the rules are, the horse came down because of the rules and nothing else? Well, that's true, but there were too many horses in the race, number one. Yeah. And the laws are different in every state. If that race had been in New York, the horse would not have been taken down. They cannot just universalize all of the rules. Yeah, that I is think. that really is the issue, isn't it? And I've I've had great chats with Gary Stevens and other people around the racetrack, basically saying you really need one governing body to oversee That's everything, it. right? Everybody else does it. Yep. 
and the other sport. Exactly. So if you were commissioner of racing, I just anointed you, Jack. That's pretty nice of me. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the first thing you would do, specifically at Santa Anita, with all the deaths of the horses? There have now been 24 since the start of the meet. 24 have died? Yep. In Santa Anita, wow. Well, there's certainly something going wrong. and certainly get a couple of veterinarians in there to find out what's going on. Are you one to feel that there are uh, drugs that have been too much a part of the sport of racing? Yes, it's always medicine. Always has been. Racists and all those things make horses run when they shouldn't. Yep. And I'm also the honor But you felt this over the years that it's always has been too much. Well, I'd have to do a little more research on it, but... But, uh, but your general thought. Obviously, horse, horses are running when they shouldn't run. Yep, that's what it because seems of, like. Because of medicine. And uh, yep. I think they have to do something about it and do something fast so they won't have a sport left. Yeah, that's the concern, no doubt about it. Let's uh, let's go to the golf course, another one of your favorite sports. I got to get your take on Tiger Woods and what he did at the Masters, and and all of a sudden we got a new Superman in the game in Brooks Kepka. Boy, doesn't it look like we could back to back PGAs, back to back Opens? Yep, that's incredible. That's incredible. It really is. It really and, is. Uh, I mean, we can't really compare this to a whole lot. This is sort of a a whole new uh, historic event here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Tigers winning the Masters was fantastic, and then all of a sudden now he kind of disappears again. Yep. Well, we'll see. The Open's coming up. We'll see what happens there. That's where I'm headed tomorrow, Jack. I'm going to be playing in the media day at Pebble Beach, which is always a thrill, so that I don't have to spend oh, the $600. <laughs> well, have a great time. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm heading out there tomorrow. Uh, be seeing uh, probably a few people you know. Do you know uh, Jim Tunney, the referee who lives up there? Yes, I tried to call him today, but I have the wrong number. He called me yesterday to wish me a happy birthday. Oh, nice. I tried to, to call him back, and I have the wrong number for him. Okay, well, I have the right number. When we're done, I'll give you the correct number. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good. Because Jim, I, we've talked about it in the past, that Jim was my principal in high school. Oh, my goodness. What he really? Yep. <laughs> Well, he's been living up Pebble for quite a while now. Yeah, it's a heck of an area to live in, isn't it? Oh, sure is. Unbelievable place. What were your favorite sports growing up, and was it something that you always wanted to do as far as getting into sports casting? Uh, I think in the beginning it was just to do, you know, baseball, football, and uh, then when I started to play golf, I, I really wanted to do the big golf, the major golf, golf things. So it turned out very well for me. Boy, you're not kidding. You've had some <laughs> unbelievable events that you've covered. What do you remember most about Super Bowl One in Los Angeles where it uh, didn't seem like there was a whole lot of buzz in this town? Well, there's always been a subplot to all Super Bowls. The first Super Bowl subplot, was the two networks did the show, NBC and CBS. Yep. So the whole, all the talk was about who, which network was in the ratings. And uh, this turned out we had uh, 
What did we have last year? That should have been all that terrible call on the sidelines. Uh huh. There's always something that overshadows the game itself. It seems. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it, it, the whole world spotlights on it that day. So if if it was a Tuesday in the middle of September, nobody would care. But it's the Super Bowl, so you know it's going to get the right. big deal, right? That's right. You remember anything specifically about that Super Bowl one, as far as your telecast is concerned, that that uh, comes to mind? Well, only that I did the second half. Oh, that's right. I forgot they, about that. They stopped at the first half. So they kicked off for the second half. All of a sudden, the whistle and play stops. Yeah. I don't see a flag. I don't see anything. I looked over at Frank Skipper. He shrugged his shoulders. So I'm scared to death. What did I miss? <laughs> and then the internet went down, and our director said, Well, don't worry. NBC was in commercial. I have to kick off again. Wow. Well, that, that was 30 seconds of terror, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet your head was spinning. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that was the first thing I remember. Okay, the second thing I remember was that uh, Fred Williams got counted off the field, the hammer. He seemed to be making a lot of noise about how they were going to kill the yeah. you know, Patrick. And then he got hurt in the third quarter, I think. Well, I, I saw him last winter, and he still looks great, Fred oh. Williams. <laughs> That's super. Yeah, that game... Um, I talked to Max McGee several years ago, and you remember his catches in that game, of course, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. He was terrific. He was a substitute. Exactly. You remember, like, if you acted a little bit shocked on the air at the time, it was like, where did this guy come from? He hasn't done anything all season. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we knew about him. He's always a free spirit. Yep. He ran a restaurant and. uh what was this restaurant? Minneapolis, I think. Yep. And uh, so we knew about Max. He was a free spirit. But he sure had a great Super Bowl. Yeah, he told well, me. Catches his caught behind his back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was a great catch. Uh, he told me, he said, you know, if it wasn't for the Bart, as he called Bart Starr, he goes, if he wasn't the Bart, I probably would have been the MVP. But that's okay. I love the Bart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He had a great yeah, attitude. That was, that was great. How strange was it to only do a half, though? I mean, that I don't remember ever seeing that ever before or since. Well, Ray Scott has been the announcer for Green Bay. Right. So, so he did the first half. And then they gave me the second half to do because I was just kind of just seeking at the time. Uh-huh. And Gifford was the color man for both, both sides. See, oh, I, okay. So you guys didn't have any problem with that? It was uh, you accepted it right away. Then. No, no problem with me. Good, that's great. Ray Scott was one of my all-time favorite play-by-play guys, and boy, oh, he was a great too. Was he? That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. So here I read about you that there's a bowling alley with your name on it, and John Facenda. Is that still around? I think it is. I sold my interest in it about 30 years ago. <laughs> but I think it's still it there. The <laughs> it kept the name, yeah. Wow. Were you actually a partner with John Facenda, or did they just more use well, his yeah, name? Well, yeah, we put money in it. Really? Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you did okay for what, for some years, right? Well, yeah, I 
when I sold out when I was building my house, I needed all the money I could get, so I sold my share. I gotcha. Were you a bowler, too? Not a fantastic one, but I used to bowl, yeah. Okay, so what kind of a guy was John Facenda, the voice of God for the NFL? Oh, he's a terrific guy. He's Godfather from that child. Really? My children. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, we played a lot of golf together and had a lot of good times. Yeah, we lost him way too early. Uh, okay, so I remember one very important event to me is my first credentialed sporting event as a reporter, okay? And we've talked about it in the past, but I want you to tell the people, Laver and Connors, tennis match, Las Vegas, Nevada, and there you were on the sidelines. What do you remember about that one? Well, there were... Uh... We did a couple out there. It was almost a winner-take-all thing. Yep. And uh, we had, uh, I forget who the others were, but Labor and Connors, and uh, well, I can't remember who the others were. We yeah. had uh, two or three out there. And uh, I think it was Caesar's Palace. Does that sound right? Yeah, it might, might have been. Yeah. It's been a long time ago. Yes, I know. <laughs> and... Uh, it was a, it was interesting. It was kind of a major television event, though. Yeah, and do you remember who was doing the play-by-play with you? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, well then I'm going to remind I him didn't. that that you don't remember. It was Vin Scully. Really? Yes. I don't remember that. I remember Vince was there. I don't, don't remember who was doing the play-by-play. Yeah, Vin was Vin was there uh, doing the calling the game and or the, I should say the match. And do you remember a twenty-one-year-old kid that you, was bothering you at, towards the end on the sideline, named Ted Sobel? <laughs> you're kidding, really? Yeah. Ted? I think you told me that before. Yes, that's oh. the story. That's the yeah. story about uh, when it was towards the end of the match and both guys were going at it really strong. And I said, "This is like a heavyweight battle." And then you said the same thing on the TV afterwards. <laughs> so I said, wait a minute. If Jack Whitaker takes my line, I'm going to do this for a career. <laughs> oh, that's a funny story. Yeah, okay. You're the greatest inspiration yeah, I, I ever had there, Jack. <laughs> oh, well, how nice of you to remember. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you told me you used it a few times on a couple of other telecasts. The heavyweight yeah. battle line. Yeah, it's funny about, yeah, yeah, the U.S. Open one year, it was Connors, and uh, Carolina, this may be somebody, and they just were going at it, hammer and Well, interesting. By the way, what was your favorite sport to cover? Did you have one? Was it golf? I would say golf, yeah. Okay. Because it was always in a nice place. <laughs> yeah, really. How many Masters did you cover? About 13. Nice. Very nice. And I think you told me you played it three or four times, is that correct, Augusta National? I played twice. Oh, twice. Okay. Yeah. Twice. And I played once, and I'm sure you outscored me every time. <laughs> I don't know. That's I a great... I remember one year when uh... huh? Tom uh, Weisskopf took an 11 on the front three twelve. Yep. And I had a deuce on it. You had a deuce? 
but the next day, yeah. Wow. <laughs> one of the best shots of my life and sank the putt. Oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> and you know what? The reason I remember Weisskopf's because I shot the great eight on that hole, which means I beat him by three strokes. Uh, of course, I wasn't going for a green jacket, but um, I hold out of the back bunker uh, for an eight. That's the greatest eight my caddy said he ever saw. Oh, I bet. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's a tough bunker on that hole, as you know. Exactly. So, Mr. Weisskopf, take that. I beat you by three. <laughs> Uh, anything else stand out to you that uh, you remember from whatever telecast that's always comes back to you because it was so great in your life as far as a, a special event? Oh, let me think. Uh, well, I guess Secretary of Belmont was a really memorable day. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, as under the circumstances, I, I just want to recall uh, when I was out at your place last year, and we got Ron Turcotte on the phone, and that was really a great oh, moment for me. Really How's he doing? He's doing good. I just talked to him a week ago. Oh, that's great. That's yep. terrific. Isn't he amazing? I mean, all the, oh, the tough... Oh, yeah, absolutely. What he's gone through. Exactly. And you know what he told me? He said he was glad that that horse came down in the derby because that's very similar to how he got injured. Is that right? Yep, he said it was very similar to yeah, that. I'm sure, I'm sure they made the right decision. Yeah, I know. But the laws are bad. There are too many horses in the race. What do you think? Like no more than 15 max, and even that's a lot. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to get traffic conditions and exactly. stuff is going to happen, you know. Isn't that why they have 12-horse uh, fields in general at most racetracks, not 20? Yeah, that's right. They have to do something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, what are your plans this summer? No, just trying to keep alive, that's all. <laughs> yeah, well, all the best to your wife. And really, it's always great uh, to talk to you. And you do have yeah, one. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my great. pleasure. Tell Jim Perry that I'm sorry I couldn't get to him, but I thank him for my happy birthday. If you can hang on for a second, let me get his number. Yeah, well, yeah, I will. Okay. Oh, thanks, Ted. That, yeah, that's just, absolutely. Thanks, All the best to you, my friend. And uh, you do have something to look forward to this summer as soon as my damn book comes out. <laughs> well, good luck with your book. I'll I, be waiting to read it. Yeah, me too. That means I'm finished. <laughs> All right, Jack. All right. Have a great time up the All right. Thank you. All the best, my friend. Thank you, Ted. Thank All right. You. Take care. Bye. That's the great Jack Whitaker, and they just don't make him like him anymore. I hope you enjoyed our special replay of my chat with Jack the day after his 95th birthday this year, and I'm looking forward to sharing some more Jack Whitaker stories with you in my upcoming book called Touching Greatness, how we also worked together at the 1995 PGA Championship at Riviera Country Club here in L.A. Fun stories working alongside Jack and Amy Alcott. And again, the first event I was ever credentialed as a sports reporter, Jack Whitaker, stole my line, and we've laughed about it ever since. So until next time, I'm still Ted Sobel. Thanks very much for listening. Touching Greatness, the podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. And Jack Whitaker, thanks again for everything, and this one's for you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.